Well, good morning, Elevation. It's good to be with you here in this online space. For those of you who may be visiting, uh, my name is Brandon. I'm the lead pastor here in Waterloo. Uh, I cannot believe that already the first week of August is behind us. That seems a little crazy. I don't know what's happening to this summer, but it's moving right along. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks since our most recent episode in this series, so I thought I'd start off this morning with just a quick recap. This summer, we are talking about faith. We're trying to understand a bit more about what it is, uh, what it means to have it, and how we can stir it up again when we find that it's waning, as it tends to do. Uh, and to help us out, we're cracking open the stories of people of faith who have come before us. And we're also sharing some of our own stories along the way through interviews, like the one we shared this morning. Hopefully through our neighbors groups as well, and more informal conversations where we can talk about our faith with one another. We're kind of rooted in Hebrews chapter 11 which begins with this phrase. Now faith is confidence of what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Today, we're gonna to talk about a few of these ancients and observe the way that faith makes its way from one person to another and from one generation to the next. So my summer reading book right now is the authorized biography of Eugene Peterson. Uh, if you've been around Elevation for a while, you will know that Eugene Peterson is a pastoral kind of mentor of mine from a distance, of course. And uh, he passed away uh, recently, a couple of years ago. And unfortunately, um, his voice is lost in our community. And yet uh, the stories of his life continue to echo. And so I wasn't sure, uh, I've read a lot of his books and I wasn't sure that reading kind of another story of his life was gonna be a good idea. Um, but Helen said that she had a, it was a great read, so she loaned me her copy and I'm in the middle of it. And I am learning new things about Eugene Peterson through this book, like the story of uh, the time when he was young where this bully was picking on him and he pinned him to the ground and he was punching this bully in the face until he converted and admitted that he would put his faith in Jesus. And so he kind of looks back on this incident from his youth, his childhood, with a little bit of shame, um, but humor at the same time. Uh, or like the story this, that I have just learned about Eugene Peterson, that he was a nationally uh, recognized track star. He ran like middle distance races and uh, competed nationally, and even on one case competed in a showcase against Roger Bannister, who was the first man to break the four minute mile. So it's like, all these things that I did not know about this incredible person of faith. Now, the thing I have to say this morning is that I will probably never do less justice to the stories of these ancient heroes of faith than I will do this morning. Two weeks ago, we spent just one morning on Abraham. That's an impossible task. Now today, we're gonna to spend one morning for the next three generations, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. There's just no way we can get into the kind of detail that we would love to about these figures of faith. So we won't be talking about Isaac's traumatic boyhood experience of being bound to a stone altar, wondering if his faith-filled father would actually use the knife in his hand. Uh, we won't be talking about Jacob grabbing his twin brother's heel as he emerged from their mother's womb, and then years later grabbing the same brother's birthright in exchange for a bowl of stew. And we'll just barely skim the surface of Joseph's journey from that of a favorite son with a colorful coat in Shechem to a foreigner sold into a life of servitude in Egypt. But here's the good news for you. All of these stories and more can be found in Genesis chapters 21 through 50. So perhaps if you don't already have your beach read chosen for this month, you could pick up the Bible. Genesis 21 to 50, it's like 30, 30 chapters 
And let me tell you, as you will discover here this morning, there are some incredible stories. So I'd encourage you, think about it. All of these stories in that last 30 chapters of Genesis, and there is a similar thread of promise that is woven throughout each of these stories. Again, if we go back a couple weeks when we were talking about Abraham, God brought him outside, said, look up at the sky and count the stars. So shall your offspring be. In time, Abraham's wife, Sarah, gave birth to a son named Isaac. And many years later, God appeared to Isaac and said, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and will give them all these lands. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. In time, Isaac's wife, Rebekah, gave birth to a son named Jacob. And one night, while Jacob was laying his head down on a rock, having a wonderful dream about a stairway to heaven, God appeared to him and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. The repetition in these promises, each spoken a generation apart, is God's way of casting a vision that stretches beyond what any one life can hold. Now, if we're honest with ourselves, most of us would admit that the hopes and dreams that we have are primarily for our lives. For those of us with children or grandchildren, maybe we include them in our hopes and dreams. But what God wants to do in this world is not limited to any one individual or even their family tree. It's a blessing that is to be lived into, spread out, and passed on. Now, a few weeks ago, I got a text from Owen and it looked like spam, so I didn't open it. And uh, then later that night, he's like, hey, did you get my text? And I said, yeah, it looked kind of fishy. Like, did you actually send that to me? It was basically an invitation to join this new um, kind of cash, this, this way of like exchanging cash electronically. And uh, this company that he invests with has this new app out and he's like, hey, there's this great deal. If you sign up for this, you get $25 just for free. And because I referred you, I get $25. And he said, and there's a bonus. And the reason that I'm sending this to people now is that you get an extra $50. So he said, if you just sign up for this and put this app on your phone right now, they're just going to give you $75 for nothing. So I did the quick math and I realized that it works out. $75 for free is a good deal. So I downloaded the app. Now, of course, Owen did the same thing, not just with me, but with many other people. He's passing it on. This is good news, free money. And he's getting free money along the way as well. Well, in a maybe similar way, God's promise of blessing for all people, it continued to be passed on from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob. And in time, Jacob's wife, Rachel, gave birth to a son named Joseph. Now, this morning's reading drops us near the very end of Joseph's incredibly colorful story. Joseph's mother was his father's one true love, but was the fourth woman with whom he had children. I told you, spicy stories in Genesis. As a teenager, Joseph had vivid dreams that suggested this fam his family would one day bow down to him, which resulted, as you would expect, in a plot by his brothers to sell him off to some wandering travelers. As a young man, he was falsely accused of assault and spent two years in prison before emerging only by the grace of God, to become second in command for the powerful nation of Egypt. At some point in time, many years down the road, during a region-wide famine, Joseph used his prominent position to provide for his family, allowing his aging father, Jacob, to finally have all of his children together again. 
Now, some of us have been experiencing something a little like this last piece over in recent weeks as things have begun to open up. Uh, just this past week, Melissa and I, got, and I got together with a group of friends, including a friend of ours who moved to Kansas City maybe a decade or so ago. And she was saying that she has not seen any of her friends or her family in Canada in over two years. And so there's this reunion taking place. Well, for uh, Joseph's father and all of his family, it was a really big reunion. At the end of Jacob's life, he blessed Joseph and said, and we read this picking up in Genesis 48, verses 15 to 16. May the God before whom my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, walked faithfully, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who has delivered me from all harm, may he bless these boys. May they be called by my name and the names of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and may they increase greatly on the earth. You see, Jacob understood his responsibility to pass on his faith to the next generation. And so we read in Genesis 49, when Jacob had finished giving instructions to his sons, he drew his feet up onto the bed, breathed his last, and was gathered to his people. It's like a beautiful picture of the end of a life well lived. Centuries later, the nation that grew out from this single family line would enter an era where this chain of faith would be broken, but then it would be repaired only to be broken again. Every time I think of that era in Israel's history, my mind goes back to an opportunity that I had to present what I felt was a compelling vision to a church board when I was just 21 years old. You see, I was inspired by this passage that comes from Judges chapter 2 and verse 10. It says that after that whole generation grew up and was gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. And I can remember my 21-year-old self standing before this church board, reading this passage and saying this same thing is happening like right here and now. A generation of people are growing up and they're not connected to Jesus at all. They're not connected to church. Faith is a thing maybe of their parents' generation, but not of theirs. And the vision was to establish a church that we would, where we would be able to reach out to students with this message. But the thing is, that can't just be the vision of a student church, especially a student church 20 some years ago. It has to be our vision here and now. We have to understand that faith needs to be passed on. And if we're not careful, that chain will be broken. And it may be picked up at some point in the future, but we have an opportunity to make sure that it's established. In uh, maybe a couple weeks ago, I was talking with Melody and she, we were talking about youth plans for the fall and uh, we were discussing this, uh, what's been known for years, what we've referred to for years as Elevation's baby bump. You see, back in 2010, I believe it was, uh, for some reason, something in the water, something in the air, I don't know, Elevation parents had a lot of babies. And I remember like ever since that, because we were doing child dedications all the time, thinking like one day these kids are going to be in youth and we're going to start, our youth group's going to start ballooning. Well, that year is now because all of those 2010 babies are about to go into grade six and start junior youth. And by my count, I could be off, but by my count, we have 14 new junior youth starting up this year. Now that's an incredible opportunity. And so as I was thinking about this idea of blessing the next generation, I thought this is like a great reminder to us that we have our own younger generations in our church community growing up right here with us. And we can bless the next generation by ensuring that they have access to a viable faith, a faith that makes sense to them, a faith that's in their language, a faith that moves in their culture, a faith 
that is experiential, where they know God and have an experience with God. So how can we help to pass this faith on? Well, we're going to have to make ourselves available in some cases to teach, especially our younger kids. Uh, we need people to be able to teach and invest in that upcoming generation and to be leaders for our junior and our senior youth as well. We need to lead and teach, but we also need to listen and learn um, because we have to be willing to make room for new ideas as a church community, new formats of church, new priorities. At the end of the day, we have to be willing to invest in the future now. That's what it looks like for us as a community of faith to pass on faith to our next generation. Callisto's Ware, an Orthodox priest, writes that belief is not a solitary thing. Belief is activated within the community. And so I believe through belonging, through membership in the church. Now, of course, passing on faith or failing to pass on faith happens outside of the church too. There's this great line that Paul writes to the church in Corinth. He says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. He wants to be able to personally pass on faith. So if we're going to do this, if we want to pass on faith to the next generation, we got to ask some tough questions, some honest questions of ourselves. Am I living my life in a way that would inspire the next generation to follow Jesus? That's the question I want us to linger on for a little while. If I think about the way that I think, the way that I pray, the way that I treat others, the priorities that I have, the choices I make, the values I hold, what I do and what I don't do with my time, how I react to trials, how I live when no one else is looking. Does all of this come together to be, make up a life that would inspire the younger generation to follow Jesus? Albert Schweitzer once wrote that example is not the main thing in influencing others. It is the only thing. So if we want to pass on faith, it needs to be an authentic, all-encompassing effort. Think about it. The only reason the ancients were commended for their faith was that one ancient after another made it a priority to continue what God had started with Abraham. So as the story goes on, Joseph himself grew old, and our reading tells us that he lived to see the third generation of Ephraim's children, which would have made him a great, great grandfather. And Genesis chapter 50 comes to a conclusion speaking about the end of Joseph's life. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land to the land he promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Like his father before him, at the end of Joseph's life, he reached back into the tradition that had been handed down and pointed his family of faith forward to the things that God still had in store for them in keeping with what had been promised. Now, last weekend, our family joined Melissa's sister and brother-in-law, Mark and Marcia, and their kids uh, camping at Six Mile Lake. Now, confession time wasn't exactly camping. Uh, for us, a couple of years ago, uh, we discovered that there we could enjoy all of the things that we loved about camping without actually camping, without actually staying in a tent. And so Melissa discovered a fantastic Airbnb just 20 minutes away from the site, and that's how we've been camping over the last couple of years. Just trying to be honest with everyone here. 
So when we go camping, now they go, our family is there for two weeks at a time and they have got everything lined up. They have got all of the gear for cooking, all of the storage stuff. They've got the refrigeration figured out. They've got a giant tarp to give shade and the heat and protection in the rain. They've got a, a boat, they've got all the gear. So when we show up, basically we bring food and life jackets and we lean pretty heavily on their camping expertise and on their camping equipment. Now, one of the gifts of being part of a church community is that the responsibility for passing our faith on does not rest with any one person alone. We can lean on one another and maybe even on people who have more experience than we have. I remember this instance uh, a number of years ago when our son Owen, who's now 20, um, was in junior youth himself. And I can remember it vividly because we were sitting in our basement on the couch and he said something about um, texting with his youth leader, Logan Martin. Many of you will remember Logan. And at my first reaction was, why isn't he talking to me about this particular thing he was working through? But then almost instantly, my mind went to, no, this is really good. My kid not only, not only has me and his mother like for support, but also has people in our church community who can support him and encourage him in his life of faith. It was just absolutely perfect. That is one of the gifts that the church offers, especially the younger generation. It's a gift to be able to build a community of faith and to do it together. So back to Hebrews chapter 11, this passage, which includes this kind of hall of fame of faith. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons. Now this family line has historically been known as the chosen people, a moniker that Peter uses in his New Testament letter to refer not to Israel, but to the scattered first century church. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of his darkness into his wonderful light. Now, sometimes, we can be tempted to stop halfway through that passage. And Brian McLaren offers a word of caution against that. He says that chosenness, we realize, does not give one people privileges over others as God's favorites, but rather responsibility on behalf of others as God's servants and as channels of blessing. So that's a great question for us to ask. How can we become channels of blessing for others in our Elevation community and in our wider circles of influence? What do you have to offer that might encourage and inspire others to pursue a life of faith? Well, Peter offers a suggestion in the passage we just read. Tell the story of what God has done for you. His words, declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And so in a sense, you don't have to have a whole lot of experience to tell your story, to just remember out loud what God has done and what God is doing for you. Tell the story of God's faithfulness. Pass that on to the younger generation coming up behind you. Now, it is no surprise that I am looking forward to gathering again in person on Sunday mornings with some of you at first and with everyone in time. One of the things that I miss is the reminder that corporate worship uh, offers to me and I think to all of us. You see, there are times when we show up in church and we don't feel like being there. There are times where we are listening to songs and we just don't have it in us to sing that lyric. But when I think about the people who are around me, who maybe do have a little more faith that morning, who maybe do feel like they can say those words with a little more conviction, I feel like they help to carry my faith 
And that's one of the beautiful things about gathering together in that context. Jamie Smith writes, there is something that keeps faith believable when you're surrounded by a chorus who some days can sing for you. Now, Smith isn't actually talking about singing on a Sunday morning. It's about the way that we collectively hold on to faith for one another. We have no chance of all of passing on faith if we can't hold on to it ourselves. But the good news is that we don't have to hold on to it ourselves. We can hold on to it with one another. Now, a few thoughts in closing here today. Hebrews 1, the very first couple of verses go this way. In the past, God spoke through the prophets to our ancestors in many times and many ways. In these final days, though, he spoke to us through a son. In Acts chapter 3, we read about an encounter that Peter, who we just heard from, has with a man who had been lame since birth and was begging at the side of the road. He has this fantastic encounter with him. Um, basically, he asks for maybe some change or some support. Um, Peter looks down and he says, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth walk. And the man stands up, his, his ankles are strengthened, and he begins to like jump around and he's all excited. Well, the people around are dumbfounded. What is happening in their midst? They can't believe like what they're witnessing. And this is what Peter says in response. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith, in the name of Jesus, this man who you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. And this is our story. The same faith that was passed down from generation to generation continued to flow on the other side of Jesus' death and resurrection and continues to flow in and through his followers today, whenever we put our faith in him, the author of life. Now, in just a moment, uh, we're going to dismiss. And for those who are part of a neighbors group, you'll be able to hop on that link and dive into some discussion about this morning's theme and check in with some people that maybe you haven't seen in a little bit. If you have not joined a neighbors group, but would like an opportunity to discuss with some other people what we've introduced this morning, there'll be a link in the comments section for you. But before we dismiss, I'd like us to close in prayer. Lord, I'm grateful for the great examples, men and women of faith who've come before us, people who have heard your voice, people who have followed in obedience, people who have followed your example in order to pass on faith to next generations. God, I thank you for that, and I pray that we would be inspired to do the same. I pray that we would be encouraged with the opportunity we have to be the church for one another. This week, our hearts are heavy for Chris Harrison and his family, and we lift them up. We pray that your spirit would give them the comfort that only you can provide. God, help us to be the church for one another. Help us to understand what it means to carry and hold faith when the people around us struggle to do so. Encourage our faith. If our faith is lame right now, Lord, we pray that you would help us to be able to stand up to jump for joy. We pray these things with thanksgiving that you've brought us out of darkness into this wonderful light. In Jesus' name, amen.
Peace to you.